Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again, as our old pal Chris Ryan pops by for a surprise visit, and you know this is going to be a fun conversation, including enough discussion, let's get to some solutions. Of all the qualities one might possess, kindness is king. The difference between laziness and exhaustion, and a universal proof, the more you want something, the less likely you are to get it. So here we go. And now... Asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 204 author and host of the Tangentially Speaking podcast, Chris Ryan, is back for another visit. He also has the great books Civilized to Death and Sex at Dawn, which are very interesting and well done, and you should definitely check them out if you get the chance. But before we get to that, let's take a moment to thank the folks that make all of this stuff possible. And today we're going to start out with the incredibly kind folks who donated to the show to help us keep it going. And here you go, I'm going to wreck some names myself, so prepare my country music. Let the pottering begin. <clears throat> Samuel Rodelli, Diane Lynch, Jim D'Amico, Frog E Style Productions, Steve Rydos, Chip Witten, Lane Rapper, Yanni Linama, ooh, Linama, I wrecked that one, Luis Pesquera, Jesse Rantacangas, Aaron Wisner, Clayton Payne, Austin Stillwell, Christopher Parcell, Stephen McKee, Jonathan Waterlow, Ross Cranham. Thank you so much, you guys. It's just incredible and a lot of familiar names over and over again. We certainly appreciate it because, hey, that's how it gets done. Now, if you want to join these amazing heroes that help us keep the show rolling, paypal.me slash dbolelli, that's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I, is a place where you can drop a PayPal donation. And you can join and get your name wrecked right away. Some other folks that we have to thank, Sure Design T-shirts. They've got great new T-shirts they put out for the Drunken Dallas. They're fantastic, but they always have new goodies on their website. Go check it out. It's constantly changing. All sorts of funky, cool stuff. Right now they have some newer set of indigo tie-dye, super groovy T-shirts. They've got the circles, they've got the lines, they've got the... It's, just, just check it out. Easier to go check it out and have a look because my description is failing me right now. SureDesignTshirts.com Farm-to-table goodness. The fine folks at GrasslandBeef.com They're incredible London broils. Man, I do chop them up and make them into all kinds of stew. There's going to be some green chili stew made with a London broil coming up real soon. Check them out. All kinds of meats, delicious, frozen to your home. Check it out grasslandbeef.com a quick thank to zebraathletics.com 
or quality mats for your home dojo. Bolelli's Home Dojo is completely fancy, and it's even got the awesome new Drunken Taoist yin-yang with the Tribal Feathers logo on it. They did a great job with that. Keep them safe when they're all flopping around there in the garage. You're not going to get hurt too bad. It's just going to squish, and you'll pop right back up and back to action. Zebra Athletics. Now, of course, we've got to thank the folks that keep the drunk in the Drunken Taoist. Om Winery, A-U-M Winery. They got some nice wine for you, as well as the fine folks at MatteraWines.com. Helping keep the drunk in the drunken Taoist. We also have our Amazon link, which does a lot to help us out. It is dbamazing.com. DBAmazing. That'll take you directly to the drunken Taoist Amazon link. You do your shopping as normal. And when you get done, we get a little piece of that Amazon fortune that doesn't happen to go to space this time. And help us keep it on the air and keep doing what we're doing. And of course, I have to mention Kiva.org. Team Drunken Taoist is over $178,000 in loans from your fellow listeners. It's just amazing. It's, it's, it's approaching 6,000 loans over these years. It's beyond impressive. I never thought it would reach anything of that level, but I invite all of you to come on and join. Get yourself $25 together. Loan. Get repaid. Loan again. It's amazing to help strangers. All right. Enough of that. Here comes Bolelli and Chris Ryan from Ojai. It's a great interview. And I'll see you on the other side. Bye. And I was playing this video game where there's like your Japanese, the Mongolians just invaded and you have to defend the island. And uh, at one point, yeah, she's like attacking this Mongolian camp and there are the Mongolians doing throat singing. I'm like, don't attack them. Let me finish the song at least. <laughs> Do not attack us. Yeah. I'm here with Daniele Bolelli in beautiful Ojai, California. Yeah. We were talking about your... Uh, your sauna i did a podcast in a sauna once you did a podcast i hope it was like a three-minute podcast no it was uh, it was uh, at least half an hour it was with neil strauss and gabby reese they are hardcore man yeah they call it the truth barrel and they they co-hosted this podcast for a while and they would record every episode in the sauna jesus the only weird thing is where do you clip your mic <laughs> i can think of places but yes that could it's be uncomfortable yes yeah, so... Um, was, how hot did it get? Cause it was pretty hot. I mean, it was, you know, truth barrel. You're hot. Damn. I used to have those same chairs. Yeah. Those are, those are good. Those hammock chairs. Anyway, oh, hi. So, wait, did we decide, is this my podcast or your podcast? We haven't figured it out yet. Both? So, it may, we, you guys may be listening on both, on one, the okay. other, who knows. So, you're still, you're still doing the... Drunken Taoist. The Drunken yes. Taoist, yes. okay. And what's the name of the other one, the History one? History on Fire. History on Fire, all right. I just released, actually, a couple of Bruce Lee episodes, mm. uh, a whole biography of Bruce Lee. I had, that must um, have been fun. I had his daughter, Shannon, do the introduction, which was sweet. Uh, she's always been super cool to me, so that was mm. fun. And uh, yeah, so enjoyable. And like, it's not a it's not a bad life. Let's put it that way. 
So I remember back in the day when we were just starting yeah. out, the joke was everyone's going to have a podcast someday. Right. And now it's uh, everyone's going to have two podcasts. Right. Like I'm the only guy with one podcast still really? at this point. Probably. But, yeah, I mean, it seems like people do their, their old standby podcast and then they do some sort of specialized thing. Anya has two podcasts. That's cool. How is the... How is it even like? How do you think? I'm not keeping up. I'm not paying attention. Yeah. But like, what's the deal? Is like, because last I checked, the overwhelming majority of podcasts they didn't even get their own mom to listen, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, I don't there want are my mom to listen. Right, <laughs> there are resilient podcasts, but yeah. most of them run for ten episodes. Then they're like, screw this, nobody listen, and it's work, and yeah. then they are done. Is that still this? Because I would imagine that with the numbers growing. There's only so. I mean, even if the audience is growing a bit, it's not growing that much to the level that to support that many podcasts out there. I don't know what's happening. I mean, there seems to be money. Companies are giving you money. Yeah, I like that. They're not giving me any money. They're giving right. Rogan money. Yeah. I mean, there seems to be money around, uh, and I'm getting, you know. Uh, I get approached by publicists, you know, uh -huh. so-and-so, it was yeah. a book and blah, 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 all that all the time. And now I'm starting to get approached by publicists for people who are starting podcasts. Oh, I, so they want to promote their podcast on my podcast. Of course. Which is, you know, back in our day, like I did yours, you did mine, yeah, Duncan yeah. did yeah. You, Joe, and we, everyone sort of was doing each other's. Which was a good way to do it, but now, as you say, I don't know if there's enough audience to go around. So, right. having people on to promote their new podcast, like um, Reza Aslan oh, and yeah. Rain Wilson, are oh, are going to be doing a podcast. And I talked to their publicist once to get them on yeah. mine. It's like, so okay, now I have to deal with like best-selling authors and T, you know, the right. guy from The Office. All right. I mean, it's inevitable in some way. It's uh, it's inevitable because it caught on, and like anything that becomes somewhat mainstream, of course, then and it's cheap. It's easy to set up. It's easy to yeah. Capital investments low. Exactly. So, I just wouldn't have thought there would be enough money in it for people like that. For the majority of people, there isn't. You know, for many people, if you are making a bunch of money in other ways, they will do it as a publicity thing. Right. It's kind of like they are not making money on it. They don't if it, they make money it's great, but it's an extra. It's more a publicity thing because your publisher wants you to have something so mm -hmm. you have the, the right numbers and all that kind of stuff. It's like a form of social media almost. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. And then, because, yeah, when you look at the numbers of how many people actually make money with podcasts, it's a minuscule percentage of the total. Yeah. It's, uh, I would bet that in any one genre, if you are past the top 2% in terms of audience, you make next to nothing. And, mm. uh, and even in the top 2%, there's a humongous gap between the 0 0.01 and, and the rest. So it's like the American economy Pretty in general. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> That's kind of the how it is. 10% of the top 1%. Yeah. Good for you. Otherwise, you're fucked. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 A it's, friend of mine uh, from Colorado, this dude, funny dude, really good friend of mine, uh, but he's not rich, mm -hmm. far from rich. In fact, he's an apprentice electrician mm -hmm. at this point. So he's putting in his time at really low wages so that later he'll get licensed and he can yeah. open a company and all that, right? So the guy's anything but rich. He comes to visit a friend in L.A. a couple of weeks ago. 
and it's her birthday. He takes her to dinner at some restaurant, nice restaurant, but I'm sure not, you know, super nice, but nice restaurant. Nice meaning expensive. And they're sitting at a table outside. She goes to the bathroom. He's sitting there. And some dude comes up on a bike and starts screaming at him, calling him a one percenter. Fuck you, one percenter. Fuck you. <laughs> it's like this guy. <laughs> Do you like, really have any idea? <laughs> yes. I'm getting trashed for being rich. I'm spending like all the money I've saved up right. on the appetizers here, and oh, you're wow. giving me shit. And even calling then, me a one percenter. And even then. If the guy's nice and he's got money, who cares? Good for him, you know? If he's not yeah. nice, that's a di- I don't like the thing where it's about plugging people in one big, broad category, whether yeah. it's an ideological one or an economic one or anything. It's like not everybody's the same in that group. You right. know? Whether you're talking about religion or politics or economic. Race. It's like there's a humongous difference between this individual and that individual. And you yeah. trying to put everybody in the same group you're just a lazy bastard, you know? Just get to yeah. know individuals. I, it, but is it possible to get to individuals, right? Isn't this a cognitive issue where, you know what I mean? We can't constantly be assessing things from the beginning, so we develop shortcuts. Yeah, It's sort of unavoidable. I think it's a question of scale. Um because you're right, obviously, you know, and we all know everyone's different, everyone's an individual. Do you remember the scene in Life of Brian? Yeah, yeah. Where... So for, I know which one you're going to say. Uh, yes, it's yes, one of my favorite yes, jokes it's ever. hilarious. So everyone's following this guy around because they've mistaken him for the Messiah, and he's just fed up because everyone's following him around and hassling him. And there's the scene where he's making love with his girlfriend, I think, and he gets up and he opens the shutters and there's like a throng of people. Oh, there he is. And he's like, oh, God damn it. Leave me alone. And he yells at them. He's like, what's wrong with you people? Can't you see? You're all yelling the same things. You're all, you know, you're on a cult. You're all individuals. You're all different. And they say, we're all individuals. We're all different. <laughs> Which is already a good joke, right? Yeah. And then one guy says, I'm not. <laughs> Oh man, no see I actually thought you were gonna talk mention a different one. That one that scene is great. There's another scene in there where they have uh, the guy who's like uh, uh we are the Judean people front uh, oh, yeah. and the other guy's like but we hate the front I forget the exact names, but they're basically like these identical right. names that are the all front like of Judean people Jewish revolutionaries against Rome. <laughs> yeah. And they absolutely hate one another. Uh, and it's like yeah. and it's and it's hilarious because that's how it is, right? The fractioning like, of the left. Oh, yeah. 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 How are you gonna do it? But the I, I mean I'm often perplexed by the idea that the same people who are really upset about racism, mm-hmm. rightly so. Sure. Racism is a big issue, but they are the same people who say race is not a real thing. Sure. So it's a real thing or it's not a real right. thing. We're upset about it, but it doesn't exist. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think confusing. the way you can try to spin it together is the idea that no, in reality, doesn't exist, but because you, damn bastard, decide that it exists and you act like it because you're a racist asshole who argue that it's real, then you're making that something that's real that really isn't. Yeah. That me trying to bend over backwards, trying yeah. to reconcile the two. But I think that's the logic. But But ultimately, you know, in all of these things, race, ideology, religion... It pisses me off because I always feel like 
it's a real lazy way to approach life. It's a real, like what we think is a shortcut is actually makes the whole thing way more complicated and way harder to have real communication. Yeah. Because you are not dealing with with the reality of a person in front of you. Right. That person in front of you is the embodiment of something that exists in your mind as an idea and you're projecting onto them whatever you think they represent. And the person, I mean, some people fit stereotypes to a T, right? So those do exist. But there's a ton of people who don't. Yeah. And Sometimes I, f I feel like it's hard to tell the difference between laziness and exhaustion. Sure. And I think a lot of people are just so overwhelmed by life and it you know sometimes it feels like that's by design right mm -hmm. let's make first of all let's cut funding to education let's make education more like uh respect authority than learn to think critically because right. the last thing an authoritarian institution wants is true critical thinking right because sure. they'll call bullshit on you which you don't want um and then you know the fucking minimum wage hasn't gone up since since 2009 that for sure you know you're in debt you're fucking working your ass off just to survive so who's got time to really or energy mm -hmm. to be generous it's really and so sometimes i get angry at people for their laziness or sure. their lack of generosity or their you know shitty shortcut thinking but then I also think, like, yeah, a woman probably has three jobs, two kids, husband's left. Sure. Am I going to blame her for her ignorance? No, you know? but at the same time, no, you don't blame the person for the ignorance. But then when they turn it and use that same exact approach to somebody else who also has three jobs and is dealing with this, it's like, don't... The same, the same way we don't do it to you, don't do it to other people, you know? Yeah, so is compassion a luxury? Well, but that's where I feel that... I mean, I, you're 100% right about current conditions encouraging certain trends, for sure. But I also feel that it really predates that. That is kind of like a virus of the human mind, that once mm. you move out of the small-scale community where you know right. individuals, right. that just how almost everybody would, doesn't really make a point to pay attention to this stuff and check themselves all the right. time, defaults to that. Because it's easy. Right. It's, well... Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we're we're back where we started, right? With the question of is this uh is this something we can actually avoid, or is this just the reality of living on a scale of population in which we cannot know each person as an individual, just can't do it because there are just too many of them. So generalizations are the only way to okay. But you, Marmy, what's so hard? And I'm asking it as a rhetorical question, but also it's not. It's really like maybe there's something I'm missing here. But what is so hard about just resisting that tendency to think in abstract terms of thinking the left wing, the right wing, the Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, the whatever the hell. Like rather than acknowledging the fact that these things are largely stereotypes, much like the same way as a race is a stereotype that you think, oh, all those guys with that skin color, they all act this way. Right. All Christians are like this. All communists are like this. All these are like this. And you plug everybody. 
first we shouldn't do it to ourselves. Like, I don't want any of those fucking labels where I'm supposed to live up to the idea of what this thing is. Fuck that. I want to be me. The great know? Italian lover? Yes. You don't want to live up to that? Well, but that's me. <laughs> that's not a collective oh, oh, thing. Okay. That's like that's a very true. applied to the You're individual. You're they're talking yes, about all exactly. this time? Oh, yes. All right. All right. I thought it was Fabio, oh, but it was actually that. you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But uh, <laughs> like, what, yeah. seriously, like, what's so hard about resisting that tendency of saying, you know what, I, I don't want to play the game. I want to deal with specific situations and specific individuals. Well, I, I, isn't it? I mean, I know this was maybe partly a rhetorical question. So no, but, it, but it's not. To... No, I actually do want to have the well, answer. I, I mean, it's, it's like you need to define the words every time you talk. Right. It's it's you sure. need to start at zero and and just I think it's just too difficult. It's it, there's there's too much. There's too much going on. It's it's easier to say that group of people tends to be like this. Right. Right. These countries tend to be like that. These cultures, desert cultures tend to be violent. And- tend is already better because you're allowing already for exceptions. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're saying yeah. as a general rule. Well, that's how that I generalize. I like that. That I can live <laughs> Give with, yourself right? a little wiggle wiggle room. Yeah. That that works because yeah. you're saying, look, that's my experience. There I've are seen exceptions. this time and time right. again. But obviously I'm not even saying it's yeah. everybody or right. maybe it's not even the majority. Maybe it's a solid number, but it's not even the majority of people. People who fit that right that's fair yeah that's all right what i don't like is the use of these terms and i guess this is a very Taoist concept right it's like first line of the Tao Te Ching. it's like you know, the moment you can speak about it you're already departing from reality mm, right it's exactly yeah, what you've slapped a term on it now it sticks to the term yep and yeah. so to me all these discussions about whether they are political whether they are religious whether they are about any of these kind of big broad categories kind of stuff i feel that like the second somebody say oh because the left like psh, shut the fuck up you're already wrong like i don't want to hear what you're going for or the right or it doesn't even matter which one they are picking on mm-hmm. right but it's like when you start in to create this abstraction out there i feel like what the fuck are you talking about like talk about something that's in front of you that's right there that means something because there is no such thing as uh, the left or the right or christianity or buddhism there are 10 zillion people with like that's actually my standard line when i would teach history of religions on day one my first thing would be like there is no such thing as any of them there is no christianity there is no buddhism there is no islam what there is is there are two billion people who fit in one of those particular labels and they don't agree with one another about mm. pretty much anything. You know, the only thing like the only thing all Christians agree on is Jesus is cool. That's where it ends. Past that point. Well, even then you could say there's not a lot of agreement because they can't decide who Jesus was. Precisely. So did you Jesus help the poor that's one, or yeah, did he dislike the poor? Right? Yeah. But they like the name. <laughs> they like the name of Jesus. <laughs> My Jesus. Yes. It was cool. So yeah. to me, it's like I apply this to everything, right? To politics, mm. to any of these things where we get trapped talking about things that are beyond what we can reach and touch kind of thing. I feel we go into very dangerous territory because the road from a useful generalization to a ridiculous stereotypes that have nothing to do with reality is 
there's a really thin line there. What about going the other direction? Is there a danger of over specification? You know what I mean? Sure. For example, no, maybe I'm, you know, old school, but I feel like there are there are ways to say things like most men tend to be X, most women tend to do Y. I don't have it. I think the way you phrase it is the sweet spot. Right. Right. That's the way where you can still use some generalization because they are useful. You know. You so can... what's happened? Like Anya and I talk about this a lot. She, um, her father's gay, and uh -huh. so she was raised in a family with a gay father, straight mother, openly gay. Sure. Uh, very kind of. Uh, open-minded about gender mm -hmm. and, and, you know, sexual behavior and orientation and all that. And when we talk about trans people, and I don't want to get you in mm -hmm. trouble if this is an area right. you'd rather not go into, but Mind. when we talk about the, the whole trans thing, if I'm understanding her per position correctly, she's kind of frustrated saying like, okay, wait, you say gender's not real, but you want to change your gender. Sure. It's kind of like the racism yeah, thing, right? Yeah, Does it, yeah. If it doesn't exist, how are you locating yourself within sure. it? And, and so it's like, why can't you just be a woman with these appetites? Mm -hmm. You're a woman who likes to dress like a dude sometimes, sure. and you're into women most of the time, but sometimes into men. You don't need to become a man. And mm -hmm. then and then the, the sort of orthodoxy is a trans woman is the same as a woman. And that's just obviously not true to sure. me. Now, of again, course. maybe I'm just an old fuddy-duddy and I, I don't get it and, you know, you kids and your music. But uh, to me it seems obvious that someone who was born in one body sure. and transitioned to another is different from someone who was born into that body. That seems pretty straightforward right that seemed like at the same time you know what it is about this like take a topic like this right the mm. whole trans thing or multiple gender ideas and all of that is like how many people talk about it it's in the news all the time it's a constant topic of discussion right. i'm like how many of you motherfuckers ever interact with somebody who's trans yeah do you know anybody yeah overwhelming majority of people don't yeah i have like my personal knowledge is so ridiculously limited yeah me too single digits for sure that whatever i say is bullshit because i'm talking about something that's not within my realm of experience so i'm just like i find yeah. the whole the wind behind all that discussion both the people who are pushing it pro the people who are against it the people who are this if you just leave it to the people who's, ac who's actually part of their experience either because they directly are or people who are family and friends and mm. then that would probably be a healthier discussion than getting 30 zillion people on board on a discussion about a topic that you don't know shit about. Well, but that's the nature of our day. That's because everyone has a podcast. Right. But what, what like, are we going to talk about? But, but that's my point. It's like, how about you talk about the tomatoes in your garden or yeah. you talk about how you raise your kids or you talk right. about the shit that you actually know and have experience of or right. if you talk about stuff that's more out there be creative be don't get into arguments about real stuff 
of which you have no experience. You know what I mean? Because that's like, that's a stupid, that's a boring game. You know what I mean? Well, but isn't that the game of politics, of sports? I mean, isn't that what everyone's doing all the time? Like right. Taking a position on something they don't know anything about? It's a fucking stupid game. Like, same thing, right? <laughs> like, politics. It's like, I don't want to talk about politics in the abstract. Yeah. I want to talk about that one issue. I think that would make things better. Why don't we do that? Oh, you don't think so. Well, let's look at the evidence. Let's... That, to me, is a way to talk about politics mm. that makes sense. Right. right? It's very specific. It's not, not identity. That, it's not identity-based at all. It's just about that one issue. That one issue is not tied to, oh, since you believe this about abortion, then you clearly must believe this about masks and this about global mm. warming. And this. No, fuck that. Let's look about right. one issue Right. with the fact that I don't even care if whatever I'm thinking when I start is what gets done. Mm. You know what I care about? That we find a solution. Mm. That everybody is happier by the time we are done with that discussion. That I care about. I give a fuck if it's my way or yours or a hybrid in between. It's like, that to me is, it's an ego thing. You know, it's mm. like, it's not about uh, really wanting to find a solution. It's about me wanting to flex the muscle and say, you see, I was right. Yeah. My idea was the correct one. It's like, are you really that in need of affirmation? Yeah. To me, those things think, are about finding solutions. Of course. That's a, Unfortunately, that's, that's the so answer. So let's, let's go deeper there. What's ha is it just the availability of social media that's created all this arguing all the time? Or was this animosity always there and this is just a place where it's channeled now? I tend to go for the latter. Hmm. And I tend to think that, of course... I mean, it's not just that simple to say it was always there and this is a channel. That also the channel amplifies, it blows it out of proportion, turn it into something that's a hundred times bigger than it was to begin with. Right. But that need for identity, I think is something that human beings across the globe have killed and have mm. been killed for. For I can't even go out. How far back do we go in time? For lots and lots and lots of generations. Right? So do you think that the the collapse of institutional group identity as mm -hmm. religions yep. or, you know, all these institutions have collapsed recently in terms of their, you know, viability and respectability. So that's left people with free-floating anxiety around group identity. 100%. Yeah. I think. The it's a human, good time to start a cult. Yeah. And the, I mean, if you want to play that game, it's an easy game to play. Yeah. If you're halfway smart, you can kill it. You know, Do you hear the about cult. the, there's some Indian dude who came to America and pretended to start, he pretended he was a guru and he was just fucking, fucking around. around. I love that. And he ended up with hundreds of followers. Of course. Of course. That's how it works. It's, so it's bizarre. an easy game. Yeah. I mean, because when you think about it, it's very easy what people crave. Oh, he needs an accent, Daniele. I think I got that covered. <laughs> I think um, I have the wrong one. I think I can do well in the lovely lady seduction department, not so much in the starting the... The Osho? Yeah. You got to get a beard. Yeah. You're halfway there. I'm halfway you, there, you, but, you but I also need a different accent. I need something. Well, you know what? Most people can't tell one apart from the other yeah, anyway. So you, that's you're a, foreign. That's, that's, that's enough. Yeah. yeah. No, but I think, I mean, and I get it because... Um, the need for, like, let's backtrack a second. Why the need for identity? Why is it that people crave so much to belong to something? To me, a lot of it is the fact that life is fucking scary. Yeah. That is, That's what I was going to uh, say. They're afraid. In, uh, 
dangerous, scary universe in which we don't know shit about the big questions of life. We don't know if you existed before you are born, if anything is going to happen once you die. I mean, think about it. We are around for a dot in time compared to the thousands and thousands of years out there. That's stressful shit. Existential anxiety is real. And I think that that existential dread is something that people fight with dogma having some kind of dogma that delivers all the answers that reassure you, that make you feel like you're not alone. We all believe this shit, so that means it must be real and yeah. uh, you got it covered. I'm going to take your picture while you're talking here. With the, uh, it's, we've got the sauna in the back. Oh, nice. Good deal. All right. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's that, the existential fear, but I think there's also a very practical level fear, which, you know, what we started out talking about. People are working desperately to survive, uh, can't pay the rent, can't afford to live in the neighborhoods where they work, mm-hmm. uh, can't raise their kids. You know, if they get sick, they they lose their house, they lose everything. Um, they're very practical fears, mm-hmm. uh, in, in the United States at least, sure. for sure. Um, and the lack of community combined with the lack of governmental assistance. Yeah. Le- you know, in Mexico, you've got community and family. Yep. Or, you know, Italy, you've got a combination. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, it's like there's no safety net. So people Not are terrified. And, and instinctively, we have always felt that other people are our salvation, right? Mm-hmm. Going back to the hunter-gatherers. I got your back. You got my back. We'll be okay. Either one of yep. us alone is just food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think it's a it's a strange time, man. It's a fascinating but strange, difficult time. Because to me, exactly what you lined up, right? So community that's important. Uh, housing, food, uh, eating good stuff, making sure your kids are taken care of. Those are real things. Yeah. Spend your time addressing those things. How can you create a community in the lifestyle that you have around you? Can you have, do you have two, three other families close to you that you can be kind of, have create a close knit type of thing? Right. Can you figure out a way to grow some food that's healthy in your backyard or wherever the hell it is? Can you, you know, those are very real issues with practical answers. They mm-hmm. are not theoretical weird shit. They are very practical answers. Spend 95% of your time on that stuff. And then if you want to spend time up in your head, you do it creatively. You watch cool movies. You listen to cool music. You do those things that kind of feed your soul in a Mm. pleasant way. Mm -hmm. Rather than fucking arguing about transgender bathrooms. You know what I mean? It's like, really, that's where you want to spend your time? Where it has nothing to do with your life. But that's what fuels it, right? It's it's people online saying, I'm with the people who believe this. That's my tribe. And and by the way, none of those people are going to be, because you're not not a real community. You're not a real, like your real friends or anything. It's purely an online posturing game. Right. but it does scratch that itch. But you're right. It's like junk food for the spirit. It it makes you feel like you have a community, but you're more alone than ever because you're ignoring the people next course, door. You know? Of course. And I fail at this game so bad every time with the community thing because anytime I, you know, for 
last few years where in the circles we roam around there has been a bit of a hard right turn among a lot of people where there's been like there are a lot i don't know if it happened to you there are a lot of people who started following me back in 2012 2013 who by now they are like one inch away from white supremacist kind of thing mm. where the turn has been from oh i i'm open-minded and i like to smoke weed to becoming oh i'm kind of libertarian well okay that's fair and then no i'm a little harder on that and now mm. i'm a hardcore and cap and now i'm capitalism is the way and now fuck you homeless i need to shoot you in the head because you are ruining my neighborhood fuck. that stuff i've seen that happen I can't even tell you how many times among the people. And I would always check, like, who's this person? I'm like, oh, somebody who started looking at my stuff uh, eight years ago or nine years ago or something. And then I see this really hard, dark, very right-wing turn, right? And then I look at then I'm like, oh, then the left is where I feel more comfortable. And sure, more comfortable, but that's a relative term because then you hang out a little when, like, leftist chats and you're like, you guys are just as fucking cra- you're less you annoy me less i find you less dangerous but deep down in terms of your psychology you're yeah. just as fucking crazy as those guys you're just as it's dogmatic all authoritarianism are, absolutely yeah. and it's very like this is what we believe one through 15 and if you believe in only 14 and a half of those things you're a traitor to the cause and mm. we need to line you up and right. you're like jesus yeah. christ yeah and uh and so I feel that I'm like the way I'm built, I cannot fit anywhere because even with the people that I do check most of the boxes, the second I'm actually hanging out with them for too long, I'm like, I'm out. Sorry, guys. Yeah. This is not my thing. I've never been comfortable in any group. I've never, uh, even people I agree with make me uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Like Burning Man. I probably yep. line up with most of the sure. values or hippies or Grateful Dead fans or whatever. I've never found a group where I'm like, yeah, I'm, these are my people. Like, ugh, my people are all weirdos like you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's exactly my experience. Where it's like, why is it that we agree on 95% of the official policy ideas kind of thing? but I'm not comfortable around you kind of thing. You know, where there's that feeling yeah. of like, I somehow we check the boxes, but it doesn't really address the fact that at a deeper level, nope, there's not a whole lot there that we have in common. And I don't ultimately trust you kind of feeling, you know, where there's that yeah. feeling of like, to me, even though you're saying all the good stuff, I sense uh, a tendency toward dogmatism and being ultra judgmental of anybody who doesn't mm-hmm. fit in the box that yeah. disturb me, even when it's my box. Yeah, I mean, I, growing up, I thought of myself as sort of a neo hippie, you know, eating mushrooms mm-hmm. and traveling around the world, and you know, I don't care about money, man, you know, and listening right. to Hendrix and the Beatles and whatever. But when I would you know, I often had this experience of sort of hanging out by a fire in Thailand or something, and there's the dude with the white dude with the dreadlocks, and sure. you know, he's barefoot all the time, and and just having him kind of look at me like I'm the you know you're so straight, dude. Like, and he doesn't know anything right. about me. Of course, I have short hair and white skin, and uh, he's making all these judgments and. And, you know, I, I would often think, like, 
if you were in Germany in 1935, you'd be a fucking brown shirt, <laughs> right? Yep. You're, you're just a follower. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You're not cool. Yep. Cool is you're not following anyone. Yep. Cool is you're doing your thing, mm-hmm. and you're not judging, and you're cool. Like that, I, I had a girlfriend once, beautiful, wonderful woman, young, ten years younger than me, and we moved to San Francisco together. She's a Spanish chick. Moved to San Francisco, and one day she said to me, I want to be a hippie. And I was like, cool, what do you mean? Like, you want to right. get high or something? Or she's like, no, no, I went there. I saw this store, and they sell these clothes. I'm, I'm going to be a hippie. <laughs> and he's like, oh, you mean you're going to dress up like a hippie, like for Halloween or something? Like, that's not being a hippie, woman. <laughs> uh, oh, man, that's fantastic. I yeah. love that one. Yeah, yeah it's... Um... It's a tricky beast because at the end, yeah, you go back to the individual. You have to go like the way you travel around and do mushrooms. I like it. The way that other guy travels around and does mushroom, I don't. Mm. Why? It, yeah. You guys are doing it's the, the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. But it's not. It's different. Because there's yeah. a whole different energy that you bring to it, a different attitude, a different, ultimately everything, even though the surface looks the same. And I think all the labels are created on the surface. Mm. We have the same politics. We have the same religion. We have the same this. Then you dig like tiny bit below and it's like, no, it's not the same. Yeah. You guys may be using the same buzzwords, but your worldview is radically different, actually. Yeah. Down. And the motivation that underlies those yep. decisions can be totally different. Yep. Yeah. How do you teach your daughter about this stuff? I think exactly like what we're doing. Just mm. you, sit you just around, talk it out. You talk it out, yeah. and you go into why does this work? This and you know, yeah, have these discussions. And she's uh, she's interesting because I always had these discussions with her from the get go. You know, from to me, if she's too, if she's putting words together, we could talk about anything, mm. right? And and it's surprising because the only thing you got to remember is okay they have less experience and they have a smaller vocabulary. So mm. you have to explain certain words and you have to acknowledge the fact that the experience is not there. So you have to kind of walk them through it a little more. But other than that, and I don't know if it's because that goes to kind of that nature nurture thing. Like, I don't know if she was kind of a particular human being to begin with. And that's why I was able to have this conversation or if it's right. because I was having this conversation that she became that human being. It probably is a mix of both, sure. right? But, like, I had discussions with her about take any topic, the most wild topic that people go, like, oh, we're going into this deep thing. I would have this conversation with her at four years old, right? Mm. And I wouldn't feel like I was talking to myself and I'm just sharing, you know? Right. I would feel like she got it. She understood. Right. She not only got it and understood, she offered insight that I didn't think of. Right. And I'm like, you got a good point. That's Why do cool. I feel that way? Yeah. Let me think it through because I don't know the answer. Let me figure it out here. Yeah. And so we would have this discussion. Recently, there was a friend of mine came to visit and um, he my daughter and him started chatting and I was doing something else. So they were out here chatting, doing their thing. And, and later he was telling me, it's so trippy because I'm in that conversation and I completely forget that she's 11 years old because it's like, it's a conversation with my smartest 40 year old would be exactly like right. that. But then I turn, I go in the house and I turn around and I see Barbies everywhere. <laughs> and then I remember, well, she's a little girl. You know, yeah. it's like that. Yeah. So there's this weird just that position of like, no, she's a kid at the same time. 
no, she's not, and she hasn't been at all in the way people think of kids for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my father always used to love to tell this story uh, of an experience he had with me like that when I was, I don't know, five or seven. I don't know how old I was, but we were driving in the car, and um, I asked him where trees came from. Mm-hmm. And so he explained seeds falling in the dirt and the rain and the seed sprouts and the new mm-hmm. tree comes out of it and all that. And and I was just sort of sitting there for a few minutes quietly. And then I said, where did the first tree come from? Of course. <laughs> he was like, oh, you little fucker. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> that's a good one. And <laughs> yeah. uh... He always said, like, that's, that's when I started taking you seriously. Like, okay. <laughs> You're throwing shit at me that I didn't see coming, and it was, and his his attitude was like yours. It was like okay, he was humble. He of wasn't course. like I got all the answers. Shut no, up. No, of it was like oh hmm, let me think about I that. Know. I don't know. And 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 honestly, I think for a kid that's such a an empowering experience to ask a question that you're you know, the font of all answers mm-hmm. says, huh, I don't know. I'm about to learn something while I think about that. Thank you. Holy shit. 100%. Adults are taking me seriously. Yep. That energy goes right through to, you know, having the the confidence to write a book, mm-hmm. you know, to, to teach a class, to whatever, to, to think Absolutely. you have the right to stand up in front of a bunch of people and say something. It's like... Well, it's because my dad took me seriously when I was nine, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, I yeah. mean, I think that's, that's cool. exactly... I don't understand how other people do it, because to me that seems so natural and normal. Like, how else would you communicate? But I do understand it's not common. But, you know, especially in her case, like her mom died when she was a year and a half old, right? So, of course, you're going to have discussions about topics that are both heavy Big. and complicated very early. Right. Like she's going to be four and it's like, okay, but what happens after somebody dies? Right. Where do you think she is? Or what do you... And, of course, clearly you don't have you don't have real answers to that. You can say, look, nobody knows. But at the same time, this is what I feel. This is what my mm. experience has been. And this is why I have an inkling that that day may be something having to do with this. But of course, at the end of the day, I don't know. And what's your feel? Have you had dreams? Have you had, mm. uh, what's your gut instinct? What's your, because right. your gut instinct is as good as any answer you're going to find anywhere from Especially, the top religious authority to right. anything else. Especially are, with little kids yeah. where it hasn't been contaminated yep. with yep. nonsense. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. How would you be different? Have you thought about how you would be different if you'd never had a child? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because before having her, before having her, I was perfectly happy with where I was in the world. I didn't feel like I need to have a kid to be validated or something. At the same time, having her now is such a huge part of who I am mm. that is like, oh, damn, yeah, I can see how that would be radically. It's strange because a lot of me is, would be the same and a lot of me would not be. Mm. And it's both elements are there at the same time. And it's so hard to separate because I can, it's like I can look at both sides, but I can't look at both sides at the same time and bring right. them together, you right. know. that makes sense. But it's... Uh, it is, I mean, one thing that's interesting is that people sometimes talk about kids like, oh, it's the greatest thing ever and blah, blah, blah. Now, I am super happy of having her. I feel is like one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. 
At the same time, are you kidding? It's brutally hard in multiple ways, in terms of time, in terms of energy, in terms of uh, testing every one of your buttons, of mm. uh, patience. And mm -hmm. like there are moments where, especially when she was little, as she grows up, it's so much easier every year. But like when she was really little, there were so many moments where I felt like the mirror just was brought up right in front of my face and I really didn't like what I saw in there. Because I was like, are you seriously yelling at that mm. two-year-old because she spilled milk? Mm. Is that where you're at? Is mm. that where, because you are so, like, your handle on your stress, you keep it together in, like, adult situation, but somebody does some dumb shit that you're responsible for, and now you just are yelling and losing your mind. Right. It's like, right. you're a piece of shit. Whatever you thought about yourself as being great this and that is... Uh, and so that was... Uh, humbly in a way I did not particularly enjoy multiple, multiple times. It must have been, I mean, for you, though, it was compounded, right? Because you were dealing with that, but you were also dealing with grief. Yep. I imagine you're still dealing with grief. You must look at her sometimes sure. and see her mother. And Yeah, that's a trippy one right that's there. Like crazy. the grief aspect is something that, you know, people talk about grief as a process. Yeah. I don't get it because to me it's like my emotions don't really change over time you know the shit that wrecked me at one point in time if i put my mind there wrecks me just the same it's not that somehow i'm immune to it or i've grown to find a resolution to any of it or hmm. i just feel like eventually just because you are more used to it it comes up less Mm. But that's about it. It's like, I don't feel that I have this key that suddenly I have these emotions that back then screwed me over. But then I did this process and I understood and now I'm at peace. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not. I don't know how people do it, but I'm like, no, the shit that bothered me 30 years ago or 20 years ago or 10 years ago, if I put my mind there, still bugs me now, you know. So it's, it's a question of now you have the choice whether to put your mind there or not. A little more. Whereas, of course, in the initial thing, your mind is always there whether yeah. you want it or not. But, like, yeah. my dad died a few months ago in October. Man, I think about it all the time. Like, every day, nothing changes. I don't feel like, oh, more months have gone by, you feel better about it or is less. I don't. Yeah. So I'm fascinated by people who manage to, who have a process, who somehow can kind of move through stages or whatever it is. It's like good for them. Like I'm not saying it like, oh, you guys are all full of shit. Uh, it's not my experience, so you guys are wrong. By all means, I'm happy for you mm. if that's the way it works for you. Just not how it works for me. Right. Yeah. It's all about how it's framed. Yeah, my dad died almost three years. It'll be three years mm -hmm. in September. And... uh yeah, I, I often think the same thing. It's like it's not um it's not like metabolizing or digesting a meal right. or something yeah. where it just it's like okay, oh, now we are gone. over it. Yeah, yeah it took a like, shit and then yeah. sorry dad. <laughs> Done. <laughs> it's not like that. Yeah. It, it's it's like I don't know, for me it's like he's present in my consciousness in I don't know. I read someone said that grief was a way of keeping people alive. Sure. So it's and grief is a weird word because grief to me implies sadness and heaviness and darkness and despair, that kind of stuff. 
Whereas I, there's almost a lightness to the grief I feel for my father, but oh. it's still grief. Right. You know? Um, In which way? Like, what's the lightness? Well, because he was a funny guy. Okay. And he was, uh, he was very much about enjoyment and singing and laughing and having a good time. And so, you know, part of my memories of him are my, they're very much tied in with his laughter and his enjoyment of life. So it's, so I miss him and it, there is a sadness there, but his echo mm -hmm. is a happy, yeah. That's interesting because like the fact that you're able to do that, because even cases where I can think of the same thing, like there's a hap like the vibe is a happy one, is a loving one, is a good one. The fact that I know I never get to experience that moment again, the fact that I never get to be in that room, hearing those sounds, having that dialogue, seeing those expressions, all of that, still fucks me up. Yeah, but know? yeah, I, I get that, but but I feel like for me it's like he got old and sick before he died right sure. so that guy that i'm remembering mm -hmm. the laughing singing mm -hmm. good time dude the last 10 years he was alive he wasn't there right. right so even if he were still alive i would still never be able to go back there i would still never experience those things again so in effect it's like when does someone die like yeah, yeah, yeah. you know you and i might say goodbye this evening and not see each other for five sure. years when we meet again we're not who we are sure. right now sure. so did we die or or another example more concrete and and kind of more disturbing in some ways is you know 5 years from now if i if i get advanced dementia and we meet and i don't recognize you is this still me sure right am right. i alive of course of course it's a weird i think that's because for me the overwhelming majority of people close to me that who have died have not died uh, like that. Who are like, like my grandma died. She was like 96 or something. She had been not in a happy place for at least four or five years. Mm. So I'm like that. I can, I mean, I still miss it. It sucks. It's, there's a sadness, but there's also an element of like, okay, I get it. You know, that's the process. He was kind of over already. Mm. I'm relieved she's gone because she's not dealing with all the crap she had to deal with. So there still is that element of missing something of the past that's never coming back. But there's also, I guess it helps you make peace with that process slightly more. Whereas with so many people who I remember them a year before and they are like ridiculously full of life mm. and a year later they are gone, mm. it doesn't compute in my brain. It just doesn't right. add up where it's like, <clears throat> no, there was that energy, was strong, was there, mm. was all of that. How can you go from point A to point B with such a narrow time frame? You're just right. like, no, that doesn't work. That doesn't add up. And of course it does yeah. work. That's the way life is, but it just psychologically doesn't allow you to yeah kind of make your peace with it a little bit at a time when they are still alive right, right? where you accept that idea a little more and then you're like oh if they died it may not be the worst thing in the world for them oh yeah. i actually wish it for them because this is getting ugly and you know you don't have the time to go through that process and and you you know i i very consciously went through that feeling like he's gone already right so when his body dies, yeah. it, it won't be the day he died. It'll be the day he stopped dying. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So what about you? If you had a choice, would you rather, let's say the same age, let's say 80 or whatever, would you rather just uh, go to bed and not wake up or would you rather be diagnosed with an illness and go through the process like, okay, you got nine months to say goodbye uh, and all think means about things. Go to bed and not wake up. That's, uh. I think, the sign me up right now. You know, <laughs> it's like that sound. Not right now, literally, but like right now, if we <laughs> can got, make an I appointment. I have the If papers. we can make an appointment for like when I'm 80, we're good. Yeah, you know, that yeah. sounds good. Because, um, but what about the wisdom that can be gained from the experience of knowing yeah, you're dying? Fuck that. I thought about <laughs> it my whole life. I don't need to think about it six more months with extra pressure and uh, fear and fuck that. No. What about suicide? How do you feel about that? Um, never bother me because you know, I'm just like, look, that is a personal thing and it's like only you know what you're going through and my standard attitude even like when people would uh, like people who maybe have been voicing being suicidal around me i was never the guy who's like no think about how good life is like i don't fucking know you may have every good reason in the world to kill yourself right now however go for it no my thing is is in fact is let's make a deal yeah do me a favor just to make sure that that's the right choice give it six months six months right. is not the end of the world you know right. you go through six months in a second it's like if in six months you still like let's try to do some things to make your life better that you're telling me already that they are never gonna work that's fine it's okay maybe i accept it maybe yeah. they, probably let's say that you want but give it six months of time anyway yeah. if you still feel that way in six months okay we could have that conversation but just give it a little time because uh, yeah yeah it's uh what's the saying it's a permanent solution yeah. to a temporary problem yeah, maybe yeah. your problem is not temporary maybe we find but let's find out yeah you know let's find out if you don't feel different about these things down the road or if and also are, life is full of surprises so totally. if you're feeling like everything's fucked it's not worth going going on well why not just see yeah right why not wait and see see sure. what happens something yeah. awesome could happen and also I mean, I don't know. What am I talking about? I, I mean, people who are suffering from, you know, serious clinical depression uh-huh. or, um, you know, terminal diagnosis or whatever. That's, you know, as you said, we don't know what the fuck they're doing. It's very personal. But, um, yeah, I do feel like when, when I hear from young people who write to me sometimes and they're feeling hopeless yeah. and, you know, it's funny. I, I don't know. I don't, you're in your 50s, 40s? I'm 47 right now. 47. Yeah. I'm 59, mm-hmm. and uh, it's interesting. The older I get, the more it, it's it's a strange phenomenon where I, I don't know. There must be a word for it. When you're close to it, it's harder to see. But the further you, mm-hmm. away you get, the more. So I look back at my 20s now, and I realize how deeply uncomfortable I was, mm-hmm. and how that discomfort was compounded by the sort of um, global assumption that everybody in their 20s is living the best years of, of course, their lives of and you should be so fucking happy. You're young. You got yeah. your whole life ahead of you. Your body's strong. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, uh, I'm lost. Yeah. I'm confused. Yep. I feel like I'm fucking things up. I don't know how to make decisions. I don't know who I love. I'm afraid to let go of this person because maybe I'll never find anyone like them. And and it, but I need to move on. And uh-huh. and I, it's so sad to leave people behind. But I need to go forward. And there's all this. I look I look at people in their twenties now, and I just feel so much compassion uh-huh. for them. 
You know, it's yeah. so, I mean, maybe, you know, your life is turning out really well. Some bumps, sure. some, some tragedy, clearly. Um, my life has turned out way better than I had any right to expect. So, you know, maybe things don't turn out well. And then you look back in your 20s and you say, those were the glory yep. days. Yep. Um, but certainly in my case, I look back and it's like, wow, it's so much harder not to know how things are going to turn out mm -hmm. than it is, again, this is my case to say, oh, this is how they turned out. Yep. Cool. Yep. You know, I'm not a superstar. I'm not a millionaire. I'm not, but I never aspired to be those things. Right. Um, but I'm generally satisfied. I've got love. I've got enough money to live on. I got this great job where I talk with friends and people send me money send me money <laughs> that's, that's a good setup I like you people it. who aren't sending me money yes <laughs> how, how are we going to guilt trip them into it how dare you listen to this without sending us money damn it <laughs> yeah no man i i'm how, with you how do you monetize your your podcast i well, mean i know you get the one is a commercial yeah. deal but the so, drunken Taoist, you have drunken Patreon Taoist, I kind or of what? don't. You know, there are a few people who donate. That's sweet. Then you've got, you know, a few companies that you get not even money. You usually get like deals where they send you cool products or sex like, toys. Yeah, in my case. like, hey, that that works. Sex that's toys, nice. Yeah. That's a. But so drunken Taoist uh, is more of a um, fun hobby. It's a passion project. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. cool. It's fun. It's like, and also in terms of time investment, is not that much. Whereas History on Fire is brutal time investment, but also pays off. Both now, because I'm under contract with Luminary, but even earlier I had between Patreon and um, ads, you know, I would have I would have a good chunk of ads initially, mm. and people would bitch about it. I'm like, dude, pass forward, motherfucker. It's the only thing I need. Yeah, That's what I need to live on. So if you yeah. can't fast forward by seven minutes of ads, tough shit you know that's otherwise there's no do you podcast, do mid but... mid roll as well no, or... no that's the only thing that's i would not do i would fuck. do beginning and that's yeah. so i would have a long stretch at the beginning i'm like dude you don't want to do it patreon five dollars a month there are no ads oh or, so you got an ad yeah, free version or right. you can do it just fast forward 10 minutes if you have an ad uh, obsession that you hate them so much and um and so that was you know, he's on fire. It's funny that way too, because like I don't understand success because I've done like <laughs> ten million things in my life, yeah. and most of them have either kind of work, like ah, that's decent, or no, that really didn't work. And then like something like History on Fire hit it in a way that changed conditions in my life quite a bit, hmm. and I'm like, I don't know why the one that one worked. So how do you other. replicate it? It's impossible. To me, it's like. I don't want to be, I'm like the opposite of the grind porn of people are like, work hard and you will succeed. I'm like, it's 85% luck. And then there's something you can do about it in between. Mm. But like even History on Fire, I love it. I think, I think I do create something awesome with it. But do I even think it's the best thing I've ever done? No. Mm. I think there are other things I've done that are way better that I've never had one tenth of the success. Mm. That's yeah, life. it's a mystery. You know, you throw a bunch of seeds out there and something, Some the sprout. one that grows is not necessarily the one you think it was going to grow. It's not even um, the one you were watering no. necessarily. <laughs> like, look at that. <laughs> Drowned the it's one like, I was watering. Yeah. So yeah. It's, uh, it's an interesting trip that way. Yeah. You know, the, the, I'm sure you know the concept of Wu Wei. Yeah. Trying yeah, not yeah, to try, yeah. you know. I was I was talking with a guy this morning about that uh, Tony Gonzalez, a NFL player, oh, yeah. really nice. interesting, really smart guy. But we were talking about that how 
like as an athlete, as a musician, as an actor, as a as a lover, mm-hmm. as a dancer, whatever. It's like there's a time to learn the moves, put in the work, and then he was saying like, uh, he had a very concrete example. He's like, look, a guy like me, I'm just gifted, right? I'm just born. Right. I can jump high. I yeah. can run fast. I can catch things. Hand-eye coordination. I got it all, right? Sure. So high school, boom, I'm the star. Yeah. College, boom, I'm the star. Pros, I'm not the star anymore. Everybody else has the same thing. Right. <laughs> right. And all those guys yeah. are phenomenon. Yeah. All those guys have gone through life being the best, the best, the best, the best, the best. And then you get to a level the highest level where you're not the best anymore, dude. Of course. You're just one of the guys. And and he said that's the first time as an athlete of his caliber, that's the first time it's no longer about your body. Mm-hmm. Now you got to get into your head. Now it's about how you think about it. It's mm-hmm. about how you finding the zone. And so it's not about acquiring new stuff. It's about letting go. Right. And, and we were talking about how that's so sort of universal. That's like an... You know, it's, I mean, my, I was talking with my uncle last night, Uncle Dan, who's been on this podcast, and Uncle Dan is like, you know, he's an old man with no fucking teeth, and he still picks up women. He's, he's amazing. <laughs> right. And the, the key is that he is openly appreciative. You're a beautiful woman, uh-huh. but he's not trying to get laid. Right. He doesn't want anything. Yep. He's, he doesn't care. He's, but he is openly appreciative Uh and women respond to that because like oh this guy doesn't have an agenda he's just a nice guy and i like the way i feel when he looks at me you know um there's something about letting go of uh expectations Mm -hmm. that invites the thing into your life yeah, it, but it's so hard to learn. It is because it's like the universe is fucked up that way. It's, <laughs> it's like so the more you up. want it, the least you're gonna get it, Dude. and the more you're relaxed about it, that's when su- it's right. like, wait, what? The hornier you that? are, yeah. the less likely you are to get laid. Absolutely. I mean, you go out to yeah. the club with a rubber in your pocket, you're not getting laid. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's where I feel that like <laughs> escorts are goddesses of mercy because i'm like <laughs> that's the only guarantee where it's like yes you are paid you are gonna get laid in right. some cases with absolutely fantastically beautiful sweet women and so suddenly the whole psychological process of like oh i i want this so bad and it's mm. not gonna work suddenly it's not there anymore because it's like well that can happen literally anytime you want mm. provided you don't get arrested along the way but other mm. than that you're it's like and so now if it's something that can happen anytime you want, suddenly it's not that stressful of a thing anymore right. because you're not thinking, oh my God, I really want it, I can't have it kind of thing. Now it's like, oh, that's an option. Yeah. So now I don't have to approach every every lady that I'm super attracted to with that energy. Where right. It's like, oh my God, I wish I did. It's like, nope. It's like that's great. You're hot. You're wonderful. You're a cool, cool person too. But do I need you? Need you? No, not like that. Yeah. It's like it's great. I mean, yeah. if maybe if the stars align, that's how it works. Wonderful. But it doesn't. And so suddenly, when you don't have that, like your ankles example, when you don't have that needy energy, suddenly it's a hundred times easier. And you're like, wait, now that I don't care about it, it's so much easier. Wait, what? That's, that's the experience of getting older, too. It's, you know, the, the, again, in my 20s, I was so fucking horny. and it, But it wasn't just horny. It wasn't just 
you know, body. It mm-hmm. was, I, I look back now and I see that it was a hunger for intimacy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just about sex. Sure. Because um, I never had a problem jerking off. Sure, or, sure. You know, I never had any shame around yeah. masturbation or anything like that. So it wasn't that. It was just like I, I was living, my life was really beautiful and interesting, traveling in you know, beautiful tropical places. And, and being alone, it felt like it, it was like not having a sense of smell in a, in a mm-hmm. great restaurant or something. It's like I... I'm only perceiving part of this. What I need to be with someone I'm in. I need to add yep. love to this. Yep. Yep. And then yep. it would make sense. Um, and I could never do the escort thing, even in Thailand. I was in Thailand mm-hmm. for long, lots of months. And I could never hook up with a Thai girl, even though it mm-hmm. would have been so easy. And you know, Sure. Um, because for me, like I said, it wasn't about the sex. It was about... She, I need to feel that she wants to be with sure. me. And no, if there's and money an involved. That's extremely common thing, of course. Uh, you know what feels. In, yeah, you know what's interesting for me? Mm-hmm. It's like that dynamic to me is when. Uh, it's not purely about sex. It is about sex, but it's not purely about sex. There is a little of that, but not in the sense of, oh, you need to love me, which is like, let's be real. We are exchanging money for sex. That's mm-hmm. where it's at. Is If it's the. If it's something where it's like, look, we can be really, it's clearly a transaction, but we can be really fucking nice to each other in a way where we can just be, have a really pleasant hour or two or whatever the hell it is with one another, where there's no illusion that there's, you know, we know why we are here, but at the same time, it can be oddly pleasant to Mm. find a very decent human interaction in a context that people associate with anything but decent or good Mm. or anything. Mm -hmm. And it's... Like, I'll tell you crazy, like, uh, I don't think I ever told you this one. Like, first time ever, I, I, I'm talking about it like I'm, like, I, no, I have not seen, like, 10 million escorts in my life. That's not been the scenario. But, like, first time ever I was in that situation was interesting because, like, I felt going in, I felt like, what the fuck am I doing? This is not me. What am I do-? I, like, I was scared. I was weirded out. I was curious enough to want to go there. But at the same time, I was like, this may be horror stories I've heard that it may be terrible, right? So I'm going a little edgy. Mm. And I meet this lady. God damn, so sweet. I'm just talking on a, as a human being, like really yeah. nice, where we have this converse. At one point, you know, after all is said, and, and granted, I understand that's her job to also make you feel like she wants to be there with you or hang out or talk yeah, or whatever. Yeah, but some of that stuff can't be fake. Some of the stuff absolutely yeah. can be fake. Then this, like, at, the part that really tripped me out that played a number on my head was at the very end when all is said and done, you're laying in bed naked, uh, chit-chat, and she asked me things about my life. Now, that's a time in my life where everything has gone to shit in my life, right? Mm. It's as dark as dark gets. It's, I forget how long, maybe a year after my wife died, something like that, right? Where it's like, I'm like, well, if you want to know, <laughs> I'll tell you. And, you know, so I kind of give her the spiel of what's up with my life. And she's like, you know what? Don't pay me. It's like, you need the money more than I do. I'm like, no, let's not even be ridiculous. No, of course I'm paying. Let's not go there. Of course. And now we're having an argument with her not wanting to be paid and me wanting to pay her. And we go back and forth and and I'm like, how fucking sweet is this? Mm. You know, in the one environment yeah. where people think it's all about nothing but money and you would kill each other over two dimes kind of thing. 
we are strangers who are making that minimum level of connection where for that hour we're actually caring about each other and i want you to make sure that you get yours that you're good that you don't have to do and that you are trying to make my life better like for me finding that element of just sweetness and decency in a context that most people would not think is where you're gonna find it just make me feel good about life i yeah. just felt good about humanity i felt good about life i felt good about a lot of things so i was like look at that this is anything by what i would have expected if my personal experience is is any indication and I think it is in this area, I think a lot of women feel um, compassion and service uh, intertwined with their sexuality. I've known a lot of women who have told me, look, if there were a way for me to have sex with guys who are lonely or guys who are sick, or guys who are old, mm -hmm. or guys who are sad, if I could use my sexuality to make them feel better, that would make me incredibly happy. Society sure. doesn't allow it, sure. right? But the, with the Vestal Virgins, you yeah. know, there are traditions of this in different societies. And, um, you know, or uh, surrogate sex therapy, mm -hmm. you know? Like, I, I know a lot of women that if there were a way that they could use their bodies and their sexuality to help men feel better about themselves, they would. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, the men make it really hard, yeah. you know, and the society makes it hard. But, yeah, um, yeah I, I think the, the sort of cliche of the, the hooker with the heart of gold, that, there's a lot of truth in that. Well, like all stereotypes, does it apply to everybody? No. Of Is it the majority not. of people? No. Is there a solid percentage right. in the minority? Yeah. Hell yeah. That's how stereotypes are, right? And you know Nina Hartley? Yeah. Porn star. Yeah. Uh, last I looked, she had had sex with more men than any other woman <laughs> on camera. Right. Uh, I interviewed her for the podcast, and she, she started out as a nurse. Uh -huh. And she was all about helping people, making them feel better, you know, helping uh -huh. them through tragedies and so on. And I don't remember the story. We can go, anyone listening can go back to the archives and hear it. But she, I remember there was a, a direct transition from nursing to sex, sex work, work in I terms of, it's like it, to her, it was the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just another way to bring relief and, uh, and comfort. Yeah. Interesting world we live in where we demonize some of the most beautiful, generous impulses we have and celebrate the dark. What and, the fuck? And to me, in fact, is that's what it's about, right? More than any other quality a human being can possess. Are you a kind human being? Can you show kindness to people when you don't have to, when it's not because mm. you're going to get something out of it? Right. When you Can you show that? To me, in my list of priority, that's like number one, two, three, four, and five. And we can talk about any other talent you may have way probably out of the top 10 after we're done with kindness, kindness, kind, like at every step of the way. I mean, even the thing we were talking about earlier with like, uh, like dialogues with my daughter where I like people hang out with her and they're like, oh, fuck, she's so smart. She's so this. Like to me, the fact that she's smart, I'm like, that's great but I don't really care that much. Mm. I'm like, I'm glad you're smart. You can make life easier in some way, harder in others. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, 
You it's know, a watch. Yeah, you know yeah. what I care about? The fact that you're being smart, you put it at the service of being actually a really sweet person. Mm. That I care about, because now you're using something that could go either way. Do you ever worry yeah. that by cultivating her kindness, you may be increasing her vulnerability? This is where to me is fun, and that's where parenting, like anything else in life, is a yin-yang, uh, mm. delicate game of balance, right? Because at the same time, like a lot of the way she grows up is, uh, you know, we would watch Conan the Barbarian together when she was five. And she's all about like, she, she you know, I told her, because I never had the hard rules about what she can't watch. But like at one point when she wanted to watch Game of Thrones, I'm like, mm. Mm, no, for one reason. You get really sad when you see good people suffer. Mm. And there's a fuckload of a that in of this that. so how about we don't yeah but like so she wanted to just see selected scene of Arya stark because he's like this badass female character and so she has a passion for fighting revenge toughness assertiveness mm. and all that right like the other day like this is the per this is what i mean about the perfect now right there right so she's at school and she comes back and she's enthusiastic because like what happened what happened like well you know we got out of class and she just finished sixth grade right the whole way was packed with eighth graders. And, uh, you know, we ask, excuse me, you know, like she and two of her friends, they need to get to the class. And they're all like, fuck sixth graders. So nobody moves. They're all packed in there. And and so the two friends are like, okay, we need to run around the building. and We can still make it in time, but let's run. And Isabella was like, no, follow me. And she started physically removing the eighth graders out of the way. Like not mean, but also very firm. And, they were all so weirded out that nobody knew what to do with it other than letting yeah. remove them. Yeah. And so by the time they get through the other side, the other two girls are like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. You know, my parents told me never do that, but that was awesome. And, and I was like, good for you. That's that's what I like to hear lesson. both. You right. know what I mean? Right. If you are just that, I would worry because you can become an asshole. Right. If you are just the sweet, nice kind, I worry because yeah. of vulnerability. If you can do, if they are both in your tool set and you just get to choose which one you want to bring out, now I'm happy. Now I feel Yeah, and, and there's also a related insight would be that sometimes the kindest thing you can do is going to cause pain. Mm -hmm. So the kindness isn't just surface level sweetness. It's thinking like, you know what? Uh... I need to set a boundary here yep. and I need to stick to it. And that's the best, even though you don't want me to, because you've got this immediate thing going on over the long term. This is the, I need this. This is the way it has to be. That's the way there's like a, you know, I don't want to say cruel to be kind, mm -hmm. but certainly firm to be kind. You need to have, it's a range, right? You yeah. know, why would you choose one or the other? You want to have the whole range of possibilities. And then when that situation calls for a particular tool, well, it's in your toolbox. You right. know how to handle it. Yeah, you can be firm. Or no, now you're going to be flexible. Or, And that's the thing that I've hammered with there. I mean, that's the thing that I've hammered with myself or with any conversation. Like yeah. that topic of you want to learn how to be tough, how to be assertive, how to be strong in a classical sense precisely for the reason that then you put it to the service of being soft and sweet and flexible and all that so right. that those qualities don't become a weakness right but they are they go hand in hand with a deeper strength behind 
It's like what we were saying earlier about, you know, the athlete or the musician who does the work to learn the chops. Mm -hmm. And then when you're on stage, you can forget all that yep. and just flow. Yep. Because you got it. You did it. You, I feel that way. <clears throat> I don't know. Your relationship with martial arts is different from mine. But I, I felt like my motivation for studying martial arts when I was young was that I was afraid. Mm-hmm. And as I got older, especially when I started taking hallucinogens and traveling a lot and facing fears in other ways, I felt much less motivated because I found myself thinking about fighting all the time when I was doing martial arts. I sure. was always thinking, like, yep. someone comes this way, I'm going to uh -huh. do that. And this, if they have a knife, I'll do this and that. And I was like, man, I... I, I want to not think about fighting. I want to not be in conflict. That's what I mean about not fitting in any group. Because yeah. it's like, I'm with you, right? I love that stuff. I'm into it. And, and, but then I'm like, I'm around people who all they talk about is that. I'm like, Jesus, man, really? It's like, how about we talk about, uh, hey, that's a nice orange that you got. You have a great orange tree over there. How do you raise it? Yeah. Let's talk about other shit. You know, yeah. it's like the fun of doing that is to develop a tool, not to become 24-7 obsessed with that energy. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, but I get it. It's, have, you ever, um, have you ever carried a gun? Uh, no. I, it's a weird thing. I always have a knife on me because it's like you use it for opening boxes, whatever. Making sandwiches. Stuff. So it's like, but yeah, I tend to go around with some rather scary looking thing. But, <laughs> it's scary looking. Yeah, but, uh, you but make no. sandwiches with that, yeah, right? You know, yeah, it could be okay. <laughs> it's a multi purpose tool. Yeah. But. Yeah. What has been your experience? On well, it's just, you gun, know, yeah. just metaphorically, I, I, I had a thing where I carried a gun for a while and, and just like, uh, it changes the way you look at the world. It sure. changes, you know, the, the realm of the, the possibilities that one anticipates is different mm -hmm. because you're thinking like, okay, I mean, I was in Manhattan and like, oh, that guy just got on the subway. It looks kind of rough. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. okay, feel it there. Yeah. Feel it in my pocket. Like, or, Hammer, uh, nail, hammer, nail. Yeah, I have a I, hammer, <laughs> so I see nails I everywhere. Yeah, On my belt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's it's strange. Uh, Daniele, always so cool to hang out with you, man. It's always fun. Um, by the way, Daniele didn't in introduce me, but my name's Chris Ryan. Oh, God damn it. I'm this such a terrorist. If I assuming that I am on a whole so host, we are not that clear, but yes. Fucking bad Daniele. Stupid bad Italian. Daniele. I wish we lived in the same city, but I'm not moving back to LA. Not I, even for you, brother. I can sympathize. I can. Uh, Man. Even this is not. LA so much better, but I understand that there are many oh, other hi. places in the world where I can't afford Ojai. Really? I love it. It's nice here. Yeah. It's it's I mean where I'm living in Colorado, it's not green. Right. It's high desert. Yeah. So you don't have like you I'm looking at you've got roses and beautiful that, um, maple tree. Is that a maple tree there? That one looks like it. Something, I think. yeah, yeah. Oh, we got tangentially speaking. Yeah, among great. Other. You pronounced it right. So many native English speakers can't say what it. What do they say? Tangentially speaking? <laughs> <laughs> that may be appropriate. <laughs> that may be more appropriate than one would think. But I don't know. My genitals aren't particularly <laughs> tan, I got to tell you. I tend to keep them out of the sun. Uh, <laughs> Thank you.
one thing, and that's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. I, I thought that was a great conversation. Those two, they could talk all day. They do seem to get along quite well. Friends having a nice chat. Always easy on the ears. Well, real quick, before we get out of here, first I want to thank Daisy House, the fine folks that put what is now the iconic Drunken Towers music together. It fits so well. Uh, they've been so kind from the very beginning. I think it's like episode four that came along and just great music. You can go to Bandcamp slash Daisy House. They've got several albums worth of music there and some really great tunes. You can help out the folks that help us. I'm going to go down the list real quick. SureDesignTshirts.com GrasslandBeef.com ZebraAthletics.com Ohm Winery MaterraWines.com the amazing dbamazing.com Amazon link. And if you feel like tossing out a donation, paypal.me slash dbolelli, D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. That's it, everybody. I hope you have a great week. Stay safe out there. Take care of each other. And we'll see you real soon. Bye. Switch. D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at D-Bolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! No, you don't. In questo caso, in questo caso, le providenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, yeah? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. Fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. Completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's so. Let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me. Can you about, translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought. <coughs> sorry. Well. <coughs> We'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's a bit too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. Why?